This is the story of Dom and Tom, written by Tom Fletcher and read by Andrew Stanson. In 2012, in an attempt to get some publicity, Tom Fletcher of the Bantam's Banter podcast sent a series of emails to the well-known football magazine 442. They ignored him. So we've turned those emails into a mini-autobiography of Tom and Dom's journey so far. Here's chapter one. Part one. This is not a wind-up. Hi, 442 et al. I've decided to approach this method of contact like a modern-day Andy Dufresne from the film Shawshank Redemption, and over the coming weeks we'll email you every single day in the hope of a reply, and furthermore progress in our quest to grace the pages of your brilliant magazine. I've seen Shawshank Redemption umpteen times, and he gets a library built through sheer persistence, so a few emails won't kill me. I'll start part one by giving a brief outline of what and who we are. We're Dom and Tom, two pretty normal down-to-earth Bradfordians. We produce and present a very popular podcast called Bantam's Banter. It centres around the love of our club, Bradford City, and offers an original outlook on supporting a League Two football club and the trials and tribulations, laughs and tears that comes along with it. Bradford recently drew Arsenal in the Capital One Cup, and probably the biggest game for our lowly team in over ten years. We plan to record a show live at the game, as we do every episode, as the action unfolds, with Alan Davis, that Jonathan Creek guy, as our guest presenter. We're proper excited, as we're just normal guys from Bradford, and we will be essentially collaborating with an actual celebrity. This is where you guys come in. It will be ace to open the pages of your beloved magazine to find our two ugly mugs slapped over a double-page spread. I suppose the next thing you could do, or I could suggest for you to do, is listen to an episode of our podcast to get a feel of how it's done and how the way in which we record it has won us fans from all over the globe, most notably a small following of downloads in Ghana. Then, with your amazing brains, come up with a feature like this. The recent surge of football podcasts, starting with the popular football ramble to Alan Davis's The Tuesday Club, has ballooned over the past year, leaving us guys at FFT one mission, to find the best football podcasts in the UK. This is just an idea, though, and I'd rather leave all the clever editorial stuff to you guys. Anyway, here is a link to stream our latest episode. www.bantamsbanter.com forward slash podcasts. Or you can simply search on iTunes and download through there. Part 2. Bantam's Banter was born. Morning, gang. Thought I'd give you all a bit more of an insight today on who, what and why myself and Dom exist. We met randomly in a museum in Bradford about seven years ago and kind of hit it off from there. You could argue the banter was flowing from a young age. That's probably the cheesiest thing I've ever typed in an email, but I'm going with it. We had an idea to collaborate this camaraderie through live broadcasts at our local community radio station in Bradford. Now, Bradford is a wonderful place full of lovely individual people of whom most featured on our show as guests. From Gemma, the homeless rapper, to Peter, the shoehorn man, they all made our show and developed us as presenters. From this show spurned Bantam's Banter. All Things Bradford City, recorded live at every home game, we would basically chat rubbish for 90 minutes and call it a show. 
This turned out to be our best move yet. Season on season, the downloads grew. Then one day, a BCAFC fan asked for Domo. Season on season, the downloads grew. Then one day, a BCAFC fan asked for Dom's autograph, and we both cried for a whole week. To be continued. Part 3. Riding the Wave Good morning, lovely FFT. After consoling Dom for all of 12 seconds, I came up with a plan. We need a crisis meeting. So we went and bought milkshakes and thrashed out a plan for the podcast. I had banana and Dom had a limited edition mint choc chip. The meeting went well. We knew that we needed to ride this mini wave of success, and by mini, I mean absolutely tiny. So, like any average to good PR and marketing firm, we set up Twitter and Facebook accounts and sat back to watch the floods of emails come in. They didn't. Then we realised we had to actually tweet, so we put some random football gossip about Dean Windass doing a coaching badge, and the followers came in their droves. We had 500 within a week, and were loving life. Facebook was slow to take off, but we weren't asked, as it's all about Twitter, according to Stephen Fry. We tied in our podcasts with tweets and got highly involved with the goings-on at the club. We broke news, hearts and legs. Well, it was actually a cruciate tear for Dom and we're both married, but it sounds really good in our first season, and ended in May 2011 with 100,000 downloads. We parted into the night with cocktails, a Michael Bublé CD and mild cigars from the co-op. It was like we were famous, but nobody knew who we were. It was a rough night and an even rougher morning, but something was around the corner and it wasn't a man in a flasher mac. To be continued. Part 4. The Jonathans and Pennine FM Good day, brilliant FFT. The partying was hard and we both woke up having slept for 12 hours with mild to moderate hangovers. 100,000 downloads, though, meant one thing for us. Opportunity. As long as people spread the word of our creative genius, we were sure to get offered contracts worth loads. Well, that's what we thought, and still three years later I kind of think we still have these downright stupid thoughts. Just as we were basking in our glory, we got an email from a guy called Jonathan. If there's one thing myself and Dom have learnt over the last five years of working together, it's that men called Jonathan always bring opportunities that usually lead to disaster. This particular Jonathan was a Jonathan Reed, the manager at Pennine FM, formerly Home 107.9 FM, and showbiz mogul of the northern Pennine region. He wanted a three-minute demo of our best bits. We managed to cobble together some stuff, and listening back to that demo now, I really do not know what Jonathan Reed was thinking. We sounded like two monkeys that had stumbled across a microphone in the jungle one afternoon. A week later, we were sat in the studio at Pennine FM Towers, recording links. Links in the profession are audio clips of voice linking songs together. Now, the setup at Pennine wasn't great. For a start, we had to share a chair. What the f... When was the last time you heard of two people sharing a chair at work? There was also one microphone, one keyboard, one computer screen and one dilemma. We didn't really know what we were doing. Luckily, Dom is a genius in the arena of blagging and myself am known for my amazing acting abilities. So, after two hours, we managed to get some recorded material together. We left the building feeling weirdly pissed off and annoyed like a couple of Mariah Carey wannabes. I quote, We deserve two chairs. Hence to say, we never got an email. 
phone call or text from this particular Jonathan Reed. In true Jonathan style, he lived up to his reputation of being a Jonathan of opportunity that led to disaster. Randomly, I did see Mr Reed in the post office about a month after our recording. He blanked me like I wasn't even there. This was confirmation and sealed the nail in our Pennine FM coffin. One year later, Pennine FM went bust and the building was sold to a local butcher for meat storage. Dom still maintains to this day we would have saved that station should Jonathan Reed have taken a punt on two wannabes from Bradford. I have a list of all the Jonathans that have brought us opportunity. If this story ever goes public, it will be released. To be continued. P.S. I had a conversation with Dom yesterday and he put something into perspective for me. He said, what if the lovely people of FFT were simply deleting my emails as soon as they came in without even reading them? I sighed. He hugged me and I replied, I don't care. I'm doing this for me dying Aunt Betty. Looking forward to your reply. Part 5 I Heart Texas. Morning. As well as record our podcasts and hopelessly apply for other radio work, we also continue to produce and present a weekly breakfast show for local community radio in Bradford. Now, there are two things you should know about Bradford. One, the people are weird. And two, the people are weird. The key is not to tell them they are weird, as they become even more weird, as we found out every week over the airwaves of Bradford Community Broadcasting, BCB Radio. We used to go out and interview some real characters, Peter the Shoehorn Man, and try and include them in as many of our shows as possible. We did this mainly to try and get listeners, and also because we thought it was entertaining. It didn't work, though, as every week we got a maximum of three listeners. My dad, a guy called Richard Breeze, and a guy called Howard Wilson. To this day, I'm pretty sure my dad acted as all three, as we only ever had email contact from Richard and Howard. That was until one summer's day, when we decided to Google our names, as any incredibly minor celebrity would do. We scoured 27 pages of Google search results until we found our own names, but it was another dynamic duo that kept popping up. Todd and Don, from the US of A. We emailed their radio show on KLBJFM. It's an actual radio station in Texas, and they got back pretty much straight away, wanting an on-air interview. This was amazing news. It's like they thought we were big radio stars, and for that phone call and the build-up to it, we were. We decided to record the phone call, and it actually went really well. I have the recording as proof, should you want a copy. They thought we sounded like the Beatles, which was cute, and we had some good banter. It was what came after the show which shocked us the most. Several days passed, and all of a sudden our website was bombarded with Texans. Emails were flooding in left, right and centre, and before we knew it, our three-person listener base had gone up a thousand percent overnight, with 99.99% of those listeners tuning in from bloody America. It was brilliant. Every podcast we released, they downloaded, and every show we put together, they emailed us about. We loved the Texans, but more importantly, they loved us. They even sent us a box of Texas stuff, with canned rattlesnake, bug lollies and Stetsons, and in return, we sent them a Bradford box containing curry, Yorkshire tea and pound shop memorabilia. I will never fully understand why the Texans loved us, and to this day a few of them still download our Bradford City podcasts, even though they have the foggiest idea what football is. 
Texas holds a strong connection in our hearts, and one day me and Dom will emigrate there, live in a shack, bear 27 children, all with names containing different variations of the name Bob, then we'll sit back and chew tobacco all night long. Until then, though, we're stuck in Bradford, trying to carve out a career in broadcasting. To be continued. P.S. I bet you think I'm making all this stuff up. I'm not. It's all happened, and the beauty of how it happened means we have audio proof. Just let me know when you want to hear it. Part 6. London Calling Good afternoon, peeps. Whilst grabbing and maintaining an audience from Texas was challenging, it also meant one thing for us. We had something. Be it amazing broadcasting skills or an unnerving confidence to talk tripe over the airwaves, we knew we had a product that might just appeal to an audience. So, with this in our heads and free Wi-Fi provided by Café Antonio's in Bradford, we sent email after email to all the BBC Radio big guns and crossed every part of our bodies, including our willies. One of these big guns was a certain Peter Salmon, the blooming boss of BBC Radio 5 Live, and indeed a big fish, one giant salmon about to leap onto our young hot laps. He replied with these simple words, I like it. You've got something here. Meet up with Jonathan Wall in Leeds next week. I have these words tattooed on my lower back in a similar style of exhibit the famous US rapper, as these words would set us up with the BBC forever, at least 16 months to come. We arranged the meeting in a pub just outside Leeds, as Jonathan was doing a talk to a load of tax dodgers. This was our first hurdle, as Dom is a notorious lightweight drinker, and when I've had a few I get loud, very loud, and talk a lot. We made sure we had a big breakfast and carved up for lunch, and set off to Leeds in search of broadcasting careers. Jonathan was on time. For a member of staff from the BBC, this was amazing, and we were early. This meant one thing, though. We had pre-drinks, and thinking back now, it was probably not the best thing we could have done. We met up, and Jono, his nickname, and what we call him now, got the first round in. I got the second round, and Dom got the fourth round in. The third round was spilt down the waiter's chest as Dom was drunk at this point. We talked Jono to death for roughly six hours, and after numerous escape attempts, he simply sat back, sighed and muttered, OK, OK, I'll give you guys some opportunities. Just stop bloody talking. He advised we needed direction and compared us to an unpolished diamond. We left that meeting half cut and half happy. It wasn't a job offer, but it was a stepping stone over the river of success. It was also an amazing meeting. For one, we got what we wanted. And for two, we grew as an on-air couple. Getting drunk with friends does wonders for relationships. We swaggered off, in a drunk style and not like some X Factor contestant, into the night, arm in arm, like a pair of annoying Bradford-based Siamese twins. To be continued. I bet you thought I wasn't going to send an email today. I bet you all had the balloons out and the party poppers at the ready. I can hear you all now. Thank the Lord he has a life. Well, guess what? I don't have a life. Email sent. P.S. I'm not mad. Part 7. Hashtag London Style Morning. Our Pete Doherty sesh with Jono went so well, we were cordially invited, well, they just asked us to get the train down, to the BBC studios in London for a free tour and a chance to watch how the show Fighting Talk with Colin Murray was produced. Now, it wasn't the ultimate broadcasting contract we had hoped for, but it was a start. And if it meant we got to meet Colin Murray, it was worth the 90 quid train fare. Or was it? 
We had to set off at 5am from Bradford train station, which in itself is like walking into a room full of grenades. Plus, we decided to brand up and wore matching hoodies and T-shirts with our Bradford community radio show slapped all over them. Like PR geniuses, London was for our taking. When we arrived in London, this all went out of the window as we soon realised that everyone in London is branded up and everyone in London wants to work for the BBC. So, with dented egos and hope hanging by a thread, we got changed at the side of the road and walked into the BBC studios. Our mecca in the journey of our broadcasting lives. It was amazing. For a start, it was a celeb fest and coming from Bradford, this is rare. Gareth Gates once walked through Bradford's main shopping centre and the city went into meltdown. This place made Gareth Gates look like the cleaner. We saw Terry Wogan within five minutes and Mark Commode within ten. It was ridiculous. We met a guy called James who showed us around and took us up to the production offices. It was like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, except chocolate was out and celebrity was in. And like Charlie, we were heading to the glass elevator, the BBC Radio Production Offices. The offices were horrible, disgusting and a complete shithole, but we liked it. It was as if they were too busy to be tidy and like some sort of New York-based cop film, there was paperwork flying everywhere. By this point, we hadn't really said much. Like rabbits in headlights, we were in awe. That was until the production meeting came along. To be continued. Ooh, a cliffhanger. Yeah, I do them too. Hope you all had good weekends. Tomorrow night we record with Alan Davis for the game against Arsenal. Hashtag excited. Part 8. Colin Murray Harassment. Morning, delightful FFT. Now, if there's one thing me and Dom are good at, it's putting our two penneth in. We're never short of an opinion. If there's one thing we're not so good at, it's knowing when our opinion is wanted. The production meeting prior to fighting talk on BBC Radio 5 Live was a big deal, or as they put it, a big deal, emphasising the word big for dramatic BBC effect. In the meeting were myself and Dom, this guy called James, and three other people whose names will always escape me there wasn't a Jonathan. The premise of the meeting was to discuss what was coming up in the show. Features, topical stories and ideas were thrashed about, then out of nowhere, Dom perked up and chipped in. I panicked, and like a naturally formed co-host with Tourette's, blurted some random fact about Terry Venables. The room fell silent. Even Dom couldn't back me up. For at least eight seconds, nobody said a word. Then the meeting continued on Andy Murray's current form in the ATP Masters. The meeting basically continued in this manner for about an hour. Dom was next to blurt something about Bradford City. I'll give him credit, it was a valid point, but fell on deaf BBC bigwig ears. I think this horse is a threat. Either that or the hated people from Bradford. We were from Bradford. Towards the end of the meeting, Colin Murray bust the door down like he was actually the police and tried to take the reins. Everyone rolled their eyes and sunk back in their chairs. That was the first time we met Colin Murray and his absolutely gigantic ego. It wasn't going to be the last. We pretty much spent the rest of the day feeling like the work experience guys and two-third legs. We followed James about like two axe murderers, then this woman for a bit playing the roles of two stalkers. It was a triple-pronged lawsuit, and up next was Colin Murray and his harassment charge. We sat through his show, and I liked it. I say like, as even the producer said it was an average one. We had one aim, though. We wanted a jingle from Colin Murray. We had to hand our Tascam digital voice recorder, as this was pre-iPhone. 
The only problem was, the Tascam was a disgusting piece of kit, really, really bad, and often had the tendency to ruin pieces of recorded audio. After his show, we followed Colin for roughly a mile through the corridors of the BBC, trying to make engaging chat with him that would hopefully lead to the Do you guys fancy a pint line? It didn't. Instead, I think we scared him as his pace had now picked up to a steady canter through the twists and turns of the BBC maze. Eventually, he recorded a jingle for us in a somewhat panicked state. We were chuffed, and we got what we wanted. Colin disappeared into the night, probably heading to the nearest night warden, and we left with a smile on our face. That was until we played the audio back over a McChicken sandwich later that night. It was ruined and sounded like a jingle from a Dalek. I was nearly sick and didn't finish my McChicken sandwich, which is rare. We got back on the train north, bedraggled and downright shattered from doing bugger all. We did learn something, though, from our trip to London. Terry Venables is, in fact, a vegan. To be continued. Thanks for your time, guys. I'm actually enjoying looking back over our life. We're thinking of getting Alan Davis, our friend, to do the audiobook version. We're seeing him tonight for our joint podcast with the Tuesday Club, so I may ask him. It's going to be a brilliant game. Sell out 23,500 crowd for the first time in a long, long time. Looking forward to your reply as always. Tom, a.k.a. Andy Dufresne of Dom and Tom, bantamsbanter.com Hello, are you there? Yes, you, listening to this drivel. You've made it to the end of this chapter. Give yourself a round of applause. Thank you for downloading Chapter 1 of the story of Tom and Dom so far. Keep your eyes on bantamsbanter.com for further chapters to download. <laughs>